Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. I've cried out to God, prayed to God, built an altar, sought the Lord. I believe that altars are built wherever they, we begin to bow down to the Lord and pray to Him. We build an altar, crying out to the Lord. I know in the Old Testament they build them out of stone, various types of materials, and build altars unto the Lord and sacrifice of animals. But we have built many altars here. We prayed about many things. We cried out with our petitions before God and asked Him to move and minister. And some altars that we have built through the years have had more significance to us in our memory uh, because of maybe the results that came out of that altar, the, the victory that came out as a result of praying and seeking God and that victory that came out because we were very specific before God and God brought forth that victory and that miracle. Uh, and time frames on that, God doesn't have a clock. He doesn't use a watch. He has his own time frame, and his time is always right. But some altars are more significant than others in a, that is engraved into our memory because of the results of victory and also the results of change. Everybody say change. I know that some altars that have great significance, every one of them have significance, but some of them I remember more clearly than others. And that was the day that I found an altar in a church pew in Springfield, Missouri, and began to pray to God and ask Him to forgive me for my sins. A lot of my repentance had actually already been done before I got to that service, not understanding everything about it. But when I got there and I was in the pew and I was praying and making an altar there, God came down and filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I began to speak in another tongue. I will never, ever forget it. It doesn't matter what comes in life. I will never, ever forget that victory in my life and in my soul and in my mind and the change that took place. There needs to be a change in our altars. When we come to the Lord, there needs to be a change and truly, when we connect with the Lord, you cannot help be in the presence of the Lord without there be change. Amen? But there's many altars we've built in our lives. Even in the Old Testament, one of the first altars that has been recorded that we know of um, is, uh, is an altar that Noah built. Uh, but the word in the Hebrew, Mizbiah, uh, of altar means, it has a meaning to slay. We know that altars of the Old Testament was slaying of animals for the covering of blood sacrifice so that, and as the Bible says, without the shedding of blood there is no remission. And there was shedding of blood and blood was covering these sins of that day. It wasn't the perfect sacrifice, but it, it was covering it at that point and then when Jesus died on the cross, he died for, with his perfect sacrifice. He died and shed his blood, and that blood that Jesus shed went back and forgave all of the sins of the past, the present, and then it also covers the sins of the future if we ask him to forgive us. 
they will be covered and cleansed in our life. But we have to ask for forgiveness. That's the important thing. He said, if you ask for forgiveness, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Can I hear an amen? amen. But it comes from the word, the, the word altar comes from the word, words to slay. Um, and I look at that as, as I come to an altar. I'm not killing an animal, of course, but I am coming and I'm slaying myself at an altar and I'm giving myself to the Lord. I'm slaying spiritually, not physically, but spiritually, I'm slaying my sins. I'm slaying myself. I'm slaying everything about me. I'm slaying it, my will, and I'm giving over to the will of God and letting God's will have its way. Amen. Altars were generally erected in some uh, very unusual places. Uh, I believe, this is my personal belief, that every place that an altar has ever been built, it was built because there was a need for God. And it was a portal, a place to connect with God and offer our sacrifice of sin upon it or ask for God to come through with a need. We began to come to the Lord because we needed God in the situation. We needed God for salvation. We needed God for a deliverance. We needed God for healing. We needed God for a miracle or whatever need we had in our lives. We just simply needed God. So we built an altar. You see, in the first altars that was built by Noah in Genesis 8 and 20, there were other altars that were built from that point on. There was an altar that was built by Abraham and various ones, not just one, but many. Genesis 12 and 7, and Genesis 13, 4, Genesis 22 and 9. Some of those altars you know very, very familiar with about the altars that were erected by Abraham and by Isaac in Genesis 26, 25 and by Jacob in 33, 20 and 35, 1 and 3. And then there was an altar that was built by Moses. Very unique altar that was built by Moses in Exodus 17, 15 through 16, which was my scripture text. And that altar was built, it says, and Moses built an altar, and he called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. He put a name upon that altar because that altar had of great significance here, which ties a lot of understanding in here with this. And I know that there's other study that could go along with this that could bring out even more light to it. But he began to call, he called it Jehovah Nissi or Nissi. And verse 16, for he, the reason why he called it this, for he said, because the Lord hath sworn... He made a promise that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And in looking at the word Jehovah uh, Nissi, it means Jehovah is my banner. He is my banner. And the name given by Moses to the altar which he built in commemoration of the discomfiture of the Amalekites it had a, an effect of a victory. It had an effect of a promise. He was celebrating a promise and built an altar that day. 
The word, and this is not in the scripture, but it is part of the meaning of it, but disconfixure, meaning the act, going through the act of to put into a state of perplexity and embarrassment to frustrate the plans of the enemy, to defeat the enemy. That's what he was saying. He was saying that God made a promise. And because God made a promise, he's going to build an altar to slay their will and give in to the will of the will of God in this situation. And it was a celebration and it was a rallying cry that day in that altar to, to be a rallying cry to the children of Israel that God is going to disconfixure these Amalekites in battle to put into a state of perplexity the enemy and a place of embarrassment because when they lose, they're going to lose miserably because when God says He's going to fight the battle, the enemy is going to come back embarrassed with his head tucked in defeat because he had so much pride before that he was going to win the victory. But when God gets finished, after an altar has been built, the devil is going to lose and he's going to walk away discouraged and embarrassed. It also is a frustration when you get down in an altar of prayer and you begin to build an altar of prayer. It is a frustration to the plans of the enemy. It is also a defeat to the enemy. And another uh, definition of this, uh, this uh, Jehovah Nissi or Jehovah Nisi, however you want to say it, it is bringing forth a standard or as a rallying point to rally the children of Israel to stretch forth a banner as God has put a banner over us. Amen. For, ra for rallying the troops that we have the victory and we are not defeated. We have victory in Jesus. Amen. Every altar that has ever been built, there is a rallying cry that comes forth from that victory. Amen. Monday, uh, Monday last week, uh, some gathered here for prayer. We travailed. It was after our Sunday service where we were uh, preaching the word uh, travail. But there was something happened here that day, and I know it's been building up to this point. Uh, God is taking us to a new level. But there was a rallying cry that was going forth that night. And it was a memorial of, of uh, prayer altars that we have built. And it was a rallying, that we are rallying together as a rallying cry that God has this. God has defeated the enemy. God has frustrated the enemy. We might think, and as the devil and the enemy tries to frustrate us, we need to turn it back on him by building an altar and saying to Satan, you will not overcome. You will not frustrate us. You will not embarrass us. You will not bring perplexity to us. Amen. And the plans of the enemy will be destroyed, but the plans of God will prevail. Can I hear an amen? power of God will prevail in every prayer that we've ever prayed. Amen. Every altar that we've ever built, 
It is not a time just to talk to God and, and, and think, is God going to answer this or not? Is God going to come through or not? We know God can, and we know He has all power to do it. But I'm here to tell the church of Landmark today that when we build an altar and we begin to cry out to God and we begin to pray to God, it is a rallying point for the kingdom of God to say to the Lord, the promises are mine. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, every altar, every altar has significance. Amen. Every altar is important. And there is a rallying cry that is going out from every altar that this church has ever built. Every family has ever built. Every soul has ever built. There is a victory in the house of the Lord because God has brought forth that rallying cry that charges us up and motivates us to the point where we find ourselves in a prayer altar crying out with faith before God. Amen. I believe that I receive it and I shall have it in Jesus' name. But it is a standard. Raising up a standard as a rallying point, a banner for rallying the troops. It's God that has put the banner over us. Jehovah Nisi. God is my banner. God is my standard. God is my hope. God is my promise. The flag many times in troops have rallied troops into battle. And they went into battle in a, in, a, in a way that when they saw the flag still flying, it charged them up to keep fighting. There were times that it seemed like that the battle was getting very bleak. But many times in battle through the history of time, the flag still flying, that banner still flying, that standard still raised. It said to the army that we are going to keep fighting because that victory is ours. Amen. How many times in history and even in our own lives, the rallying cry of believing God for the promise. How many times has the rally cry made the difference between victory and defeat? Amen. When God flies that banner, that standard, that promise that He's given to us, He's saying to us, it's going to charge the troops together to fight the battle together because God is our victory. Let's lift our hands and praise Him right now. God is our victory. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I'm excited about it. Amen, amen, amen. In this next reference, I don't agree with what happened in the Civil War. It was a very terrible time. And what some stood up for, I don't agree with that. I'm thankful that our country has moved forward. And I pray that it continues to move forward. But not in agreement of it. But there is a significance here in referencing this of the rebel yell. It is called the rebel yell. And this is what it did for the enemy in the Civil War. It was the Confederate, the, the, the Confederate Army of the South. And they had something that they would do. But in, in testimony of this from um, one of the Union Army veterans, Ambrose Bierce's description of the rebel, rebel yell. It was a rebel yell that the Confederates would give when they go into battle that rallied the troops on. But here's what the Union, on the other side, the Union's uh, veteran told as a description of this. He said, it was the ugliest sound that any mortal ever heard. 
even immortal, exhausted and unnerved by two days of hard fighting, without sleep, without rest, without food, and without hope. And then as they heard that rebel yell, it was the notorious battle cry of the Confederate forces during the Civil War. And it was described as, if you can understand this, the banshee scream. It unnerved the enemy, but rallied and motivated the troops on the opposite side. It motivated them, but it was a yell that rallied troops to fight on. It doesn't matter what you're, you're involved with, and if it looks bad and the motivation's down, it rallied them on to fight on. But you know what? As I read this, it began to speak to me about what it does to the enemy. And I began to think about what happens when the church begins to build an altar and gives a rallying cry. It's a different rallying cry than the rebel yell. It's a cry out to God. It's a cry out to the one that has made the promise to us that we are the victor. Amen. It was a cry that goes forth that rallies the troops. And even in history, amen, there was another, there was many sayings through the years of, uh, that rallied the troops. One of them was, remember the Alamo? Uh, on February 23rd, 1836, the Mexican general Santa Anna besieged Colonel William B. Travis and some 200 Texas independence fighters at a former Franciscan mission known as the Alamo. The Texans were outnumbered and outgunned, but they held out for 13 grueling days until March 6th, from February 23rd till March 6th, when the Mexicans stormed the fort and killed nearly all its defenders, and the defeat was catastrophic. Some names that you've heard of, Travis died, James Bowie died, and famed uh, frontiersman David, uh, Davy Crockett, they all died. But the Texas courage did not die there. Under a fire, it helped galvanize the, the patriots of the, of the country or the state of Texas. And General Sam Houston and others used the rallying cry, just remember the Alamo. Just remember the Alamo. So it whet the troops' appetite for vengeance. And in April 1836, the Texans routed a superior Mexican army and captured Santa Ana at the Battle of San Juanito. Remember the Alamo lived on even after the United States annexed Texas in 1845 and was later, later revived by U.S. troops during the Mexican-American War. But an army that was less capable of fighting against Santa Ana's fighting force. That cry, that rallying cry, remember the bravery of the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. Remember those that fought and those that gave their life. It cheered them on. It motivated them on to fight. You see, the flying of, the, of country's flags during wars has turned the thoughts from retreat to fight. How many victories and how many defeats have come through these rallying cries, rallying forth a cry to keep on fighting. There was flags that have been given out and flown. There has been sayings through years of revolution 
during the American Revolution. Give me liberty or give me death. It's the reason why we fight for freedom. I he was saying that I would rather be dead than to be bound and not be free. And it was a rallying cry for the revolutionaries to fight the fight. There were flags that were flown that says, don't tread on me. There was, there was other sayings that went forth, but it rallied the troops. But what I'm saying here today is the church has a rallying cry. And the church has a banner, a flag, a standard that flies over us by the power of God's Spirit. Amen. Our Jehovah Nissi is the one that has given us the victory because He has said that He would come through with the promises that he said he would come through with. We have a word of God that we can stand on. We have a banner that flies high. We have a standard that covers us. We have a victory that is a part of our walk with God. And as we cry out to the Lord, we keep building altars and it's a rallying cry for us to keep on fighting. i tell you what happened that Monday night, last Monday night. There was something powerful happened here. And there was a rallying and a travail that went forth and the Spirit of God began to move and God birthed this message out of that prayer meeting that night. And there was something happening still in the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. It was something powerful when we travail and we see God move. We're seeing the results of prayer that is being sent up to God. Every altar that has been built at the feet of Jesus, amen, is a rallying cry to the church. I tell you what it did that night and what it has done every time we pray and seek God. It rallies us to cry out again to the Lord. Our battles are not won by flesh and blood. Our battles are won in altars, church. Our battles are won by travail before the Lord. Oh, yes, by crying out to God. There is a story in the Bible. Amen. It's a very familiar story in the book of Mark, chapter 5, 1 through 13. And then, of course, in the book of Luke and the book of Matthew also. And it's a story where Jesus, uh, they sailed to and came to a certain place, a country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, the Bible says, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. There's another account said two were there with an unclean spirit. And verse 3 goes on, says, Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him. No, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Matter of fact, there's another uh, scripture in one of the other Gospels that said they wouldn't even go by that area because of the fear of this man and the things that he would do. So he was bound. But, but when you look at this you, and you look at the efforts of humans, what we can do, it doesn't go far enough. It doesn't work enough. We could bind things with our own uh, words without the Spirit of God, and it's just going to go so far. We could bind it with chains. We could bind it with fetters. We could, we could do our part physically, but it, it doesn't go far enough. But when we begin to include the Lord in this, that's when true change takes place. That is when true victory 
takes place. When we find an altar, we're not fighting with flesh and blood. We're fighting spirits. And the only way you can deal with those spirits is through the power of God's Spirit. Through the power of an altar crying out to the Lord is a rallying cry to the church. Keep on fighting. Keep on motivating yourself. Keep on seeking God. Keep on walking with God. And the Bible goes on and says, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And in verse 6 says, look what he did. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Here was a man that had evil spirits, legions of spirits in him. And he ran and worshipped him. He made an altar at the feet of Jesus, so to speak. I believe and firm believer that this man evidently deep within inside of him didn't want to be possessed of the devil, of all these legions and demons, because if he did, he probably wouldn't have found his deliverance. we got to be willing to get rid of it. But you see, deep down in his heart and soul, there was something there in that man that was tired of that life, that was tired of that, that crying out and that that evil junk that was coming out of his life, he was fed up with it. He wanted deliverance. So the Bible even says in another description of this in Luke 8, 28, listen to what it says. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. I see that he fell down at the feet of Jesus and made an altar there at the feet of Jesus. He began to cry out. He began to fall down. And he began to give his will over to the Lord. And to receive the Lord's will into his life. I know he didn't understand everything about it. But he knew one thing. He needed deliverance. The Bible goes on and says. And he cried with a loud voice and said. What have I to do with thee Jesus? The son of the most high God. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of, him, of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much, that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine, and he cast them into the swine, and the swine ran off into the sea and drowned themselves. He cast those evil spirits. They choked in the sea, the Bible said. But there was something about the rallying cry of an altar that that man made that day. The prayers of the people of God in an altar is a rallying cry to those of faith to stand up and fight. The cry of a church that is praying is a rallying cry to those that are in need of motivation to continue in the fight and the fray of the, of the battle. To continue to pray. But there's some things that happen in the rallying cry that tends to make the enemy frustrated and tends to make the enemy afraid and embarrassed when it's all said and done and the results come back and God came through with the promises. You see this rallying cry of an altar of the people of God. Amen. The cry of God's people in prayer brings change. 
the cry of an altar of the people of God, amen, brings forth a spark of a fear in hell. Hell shakes and trembles at a church and individuals that pray and fall at the feet of Jesus. Amen. There's power in it. He wants you to stay away from that. He wants your flesh to say, I don't want to pray. Amen. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But what a prayer, the rallying cry, defeats the enemy and sparks fear in hell to a church that knows how to pray. Amen. Amen. It makes a child of God stand up in faith against the greatest odds of our time. Amen. An altar turns a sinner's life around. And I tell you what we need here in the altars. Uh, when people come to these altars and pray, we need to gather around them. And we begin to cry out and make an altar there. Because that altar is going to bring forth a banner of victory for somebody's life. Uh, we need to travail for those in prayer and see them filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. An altar at the feet of Jesus brought forth change in this man's life. He was bound by legions of demons. But it says in the book of Mark, listen to the change, 5 and 15. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. He was sitting and clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. They were afraid before, now they're afraid again. Here he is. They, they couldn't understand it. This is fearful. What happened to this man? He's clothed. He's in his right mind. He's sitting. He's not bound by chains. And they were afraid. You see, the possessed man's altar he built at the feet of Jesus in the struggle of being bound brought forth a rallying cry of change. His life was turned around. His life was changed. His heart was changed. His desires were changed. Even to the point when he, where he wanted to follow Jesus. But, but, but this man that was possessed, after building an altar at the feet of Jesus, during his greatest struggle of being bound in life, found the greatest Jehovah Nissi banner Standard victory, frustration to the enemy that could have ever came forth in this man's life. Mark chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, as the man was wanting to go with him, he said, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. And hath had compassion on thee. And he departed. And listen to what he did. This altar that he built at the feet of Jesus. Was a rallying cry. To others. That if God can deliver me. He can deliver you. Also. It was a banner of victory. And as the Bible says. He departed. And he began to publish. In Decapolis. How great things Jesus had done for him. And listen to the results of what happened with him crying out. And it started at an altar of deliverance and change. The Bible says, and all men did marvel. And all men did marvel. Now there's not accounts of, in the Bible where it says that people received the Holy Ghost. Or, of course, this was before Jesus died on the cross. 
outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It didn't, didn't say anything about people coming to the Lord, but it did say they all marvel. And you can't experience something to this magnitude and not be changed in some way. I believe that that altar that this man that lived in the tombs, building an altar at the feet of Jesus and being delivered, it not only changed his life, but it also changed the lives of others around him. And it also changed the lives of the disciples. And it also changed as it began to publish from that point across Decapolis and across other places. Uh, the word got out. I'm sure we're still talking about it today because it's in the Bible. We're still preaching about it. We're still teaching about it. And it's even affecting us today. But the rallying cry of an altar that a man built in the hardest struggle of his life was a, was a rallying cry that God has this. And God is going to come through with his promises. Just like Moses said when he called his altar Jehovah Nissi. It started at an altar built at the feet of Jesus. I believe all altars are built at the feet of the Lord. Amen. Look what continued. It didn't stop there with the man and the people of Decapolis. They sent Jesus out. But look what happened here in the same chapter, Mark 5, 22-23. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And listen what he did. Evidently, the word was getting out. And when he saw him, when Jairus saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, and that she may be healed, and she shall live. I see this here, as the scripture Sister Burke said today. He was praying. He built an altar at the feet of Jesus, and he was praying Move the mountain, God. And he was also saying, I believe that I receive it. <laughs> that she may be healed and she shall live. It didn't stop there. Same chapter, Mark chapter 5. Well, let's go on. And of course, I haven't completed that. Let me say this. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumi which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise, and straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment, a rallying cry of an altar, a rallying cry of someone building an altar at the feet of Jesus. It doesn't stop there. Same chapter, Mark chapter 5. Verse 27, 28, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched the, his garment. For she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Where, are the, where is the hem of his garment? It's the feet of Jesus. Mark 5, 33 said, but the woman fearing, as Jesus said, who touched me? Someone touched me. I felt virtue flow out of me. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. The rallying cry of an altar of a man in the greatest struggle of his life in a tomb, or in the area of the tombs, in the cemetery. Falling to the feet of Jesus, full of legions of devils, started a rallying cry of people falling at their feet before Jesus. I'm sure there were others that did that same thing because they felt unworthy standing before the Lord to fall at the feet of Jesus. 
But there is power in our altars. There, are, there is power in this altar. There is power in an altar you build at a pew. There's power in an altar that you build at your home. There's power in an altar you build wherever you go, wherever there's a place of need and you need God and you begin to cry out to God. There is power in that altar. Amen. An altar of sacrifice, an altar of prayer, where I am slain as the name of altar in the meaning of it means to slay. It's an altar where I sacrifice. It's an altar where I pray. It's an altar where I am slain spiritually and my will is laid down and where a miracle of God's will is born in my life. I I lay it down. I give it to God. Every altar that is ever built is a rallying cry to the church. How many times you've been in those altars and you know the times that you prayed and you'll never forget and you begin to cry out to God and He came down and He began to speak to you and His Spirit began to move upon you and you felt the glory and the power of His Spirit. You will never forget that experience because there was change that day. Oh, there was change that day. I'll never forget it, the change that happened in my life. I'll never forget my first altar. I'll never forget falling down at the feet of Jesus. And I'll never forget any altar since then that I fell down before Jesus. And when I felt that presence, I I remember the altars in our youth prayer meetings at my home church. And the glory of God would fill that place. And we'd walk out of there, the glowing with the power and the Spirit of God. Amen. It's a rallying cry. Keep on praying. It's a rallying cry. Keep on fighting. It's a rallying cry. God's got this. He is our Jehovah Nissi. He is our banner over us. He is the standard that He has given to us for victory. Amen. Rallying cry. Remember the cross. Remember the God's promises to us, the rallying cry that keeps us going, the rallying cry that when it seems like things are being defeated, no, 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 God's just got this. God's raising us to a new level. He's getting us places where we couldn't get any other way. We're getting there because God has got this. God has promises. God is working a miracle. God is working His Spirit in the midst of the church in Isaiah 59 and 9. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Raise up a standard. It means to put to flight the enemy. It means to drive hastily away the enemy. It means to cause to disappear and hide the enemy. They run and hide when God raises up a standard. God's got this. It's a rallying cry to the church. He's got this. Every prayer that you prayed, keep praying. It's a rallying cry that defeats the enemy and frustrates the enemy and embarrasses him in his trying to defeat us. When you make an altar to God, there are changes that take place in the spirit realm. There are changes that take place in the spirit realm. Every prayer that you have prayed in your life has made a change. 
somewhere, somehow, sometimes we don't even see it. Do we have to see it? We just keep praying and believing. We like to see it at times. Thank the Lord for the times we do. But do we have to see it every time? We just keep on doing what God's called us to do because the prayers of those that are crying out in travail are those rallying cries to each one of us. Keep on praying. Keep on fighting. Keep on working. Keep on reaching. Keep on believing. When you make an altar to God, there are changes that happen in the spirit realm. Because God rises up on our behalf. He rises up on our behalf. Oh, there's something happening in the spirit realm. There's something happening. You know, in the Old Testament, the fire on the altar was not permitted to go out. Leviticus 6 and 9. There was a command in the Old Testament. It says, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon the altar all night until the morning. And the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. Never let the fire of your altar go out. We got to hear that rallying cry. Remember the cross. Remember the mercy. Remember the grace. Remember the love. Remember the promise. Don't ever let that altar burn out. God's calling the church to continue to go higher levels in Him because there's things that we have never... I've seen a lot in my lifetime, and you have too, in God. But there's one thing for sure. God has so much more. <laughs> he has so much more. There are people in this building that have been praying for your husband and for your wife. The rallying cry, keep building that altar for them. Keep the fire burning for them because you're going to see, you're going to see it happen. You're going to experience it. They're dependent on you right now for your family. They might not be living for God. Keep praying, keep the fire burning right now. It's a rallying cry. We're joining with you. We're going to fight with you. It's a rallying cry to motivate us to continue on because there's so much more in God. I'm excited to see what else God has. After all of the things that I've seen in my years of living for Him since 1977, I've seen a lot of things, but I'm excited to, to know that there is so much more. There's going to be people filled with the Holy Ghost in unusual ways. There's going to be people that, that come to the Lord and, and are refilled with the Holy Ghost prodigals and are going to come in unusual ways because God works in ways that are far above our ways. Never let the fire go out of your altar. 
It's the rallying cry of the church. We pray because we believe. We pray because we trust God. We pray because we know that we receive the promise that we're praying for. We we believe that we receive it. And we shall have it. As we stand here today, there is a rallying cry of God that is going forth from our altars. Rallying cry to keep on fighting. Rallying cry that says the banner's still waving, the standard's still covering, the promises are still sure. Yay and amen, Brother Tucker. It's still yay and amen. The rallying cry today, it's still ours. It's still ours. It's ours. And I believe in God's power to do it. But I also believe in God's power that I'm going to receive it. And I shall have it. Oh, let's lift our hands here today. Oh, I I believe that I receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.